Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the podcast, final one of the Christmas period. So it's myself, Ollie, and Glyn. Glyn is back, so how are you doing, Glyn? Good. I don't really want the Christmas period to end, Ollie. It's been fantastic, no. hasn't it? Um, we talked about yeah. it uh, on the pod we did in between Christmas and New Year. But yeah, continued uh, on the same vein, obviously, on Saturday against Sheffield Wednesday. So yeah, fantastic festive period. Best for a long time. We'll go over that in the stats. And um, yeah, thoroughly pleasing couple of weeks. Yeah, really good weeks, isn't it? And it's put us up in a really positive league position. Perfect timing as well um, for you know opposition and opposition players, players that are not at the club to look at where we are. It will help you know this manager and Brian do a sell yeah. to the agent and players. So that's positive. And yeah, it's it's we're as we said on the last podcast. You know, we really really worried, weren't we, at the end of the transfer window? But we end on a on a bit of a high, uh, a good kind of atmosphere around the club. And obviously top that off by a really good win against um, Sheffield Wednesday um, yesterday. It's, it's a bit weird, isn't it, Ollie? Because if everything had gone well in the summer transfer window and we were like, we got everything we wanted and we might have felt like we would have done better than we did at the start of this season, somehow we've ended up you know, going into 2022 in 14th place, which is still kind of probably above where my expectations of where we might have been had we had a good summer are. So it's a bit weird. It's, I, I kind of describe the season now as a bit bonkers when you look at it from an historically bad start. You know, some of those runs were the worst in the club's history to now, you know, it just takes three free wins and four games unbeaten, three of those being wins, and it has rocketed us right up. So it is, it is, you know, usual Shrewsbury Town roller coaster stuff. No idea where it's going to go next, I guess. But um, yeah, just just bonkers, really. Now it is bonkers. We're seven points ahead of Lincoln in the relegation zone now, Mad. and even Fleetwood above them. And then there's obviously a lot of kind of clubs, isn't there, between us and the relegation zone now. Now we're up to fourteenth. Um, on equal points with um, with Charlton Athletic and only two behind Burton and only three behind Ipswich. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it's 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 been a fantastic run. It's really got us out of the trouble um, for now. Um, and yeah, we keep keep on this kind of trajectory. Um, yeah, it was going to put us in a hopefully in a good place at the end of the season. Yeah, to show you, you can play a quarter of the season absolutely garbage like we did, and still be fine by the time you get almost to halfway. So yeah, let's take this take this season in quarters, and hopefully we have a nice uh, average quarter for our third quarter, and we'll probably be set fair, shouldn't we? So um, yeah, there you go. It's just just very odd, isn't it, the way this is all turned around? And I'm absolutely delighted. You know, we can talk negatively about what's gone on, but I'm I'm more than happy to get on board when we see teams putting in the commitment that they have done since, particularly you know the Cambridge and Stratford games that run since then. I can't really complain about how much effort we put in in any game really. So. Um, no more shown really, Ollie, than the game we're going to talk about now, Ollie. So, um, yeah, we'll move on to looking at the Sheffield Wednesday game, which was a fantastic result. And here come the home side. The last chance, surely. It is Vernon on the left. There are bodies in the box. It is Scott Vernon driving towards the goal. He's still going. It is in there, sir. They have won it with the last kick of the game. And Shrewsbury score through Grimmer. So, yeah, shoot to turn one. Sheffield Wednesday nil. Um, the Pennington scored an extra time um, in the first half, um, so that was good. Uh, attendance over 8,000, um, with about 1,600 um, Sheffield Wednesday fans um, turning up. Um, but there's some good stats, Glenn, for, us, for you to share, which makes a nice change. Good ones rather than negative ones, yeah. It, I, I didn't put this in the stats, actually, but I just remembered looking at this before the, you know, before the game and then afterwards. We've got something like a 16... You know, it's you have to go back to the 60s since we lost to Sheffield Wednesday in, at home or something, something ridiculous like that now. So they've become one of our sort of clubs that we all seem to do well against, which is a bit weird considering they've been above us in the league for so long. But yeah, that wasn't really one of the main stats. Um, yes, I suppose let's start, Ollie, with probably the most surprising one of the lot, really. Um, 
Um, maybe not after the last two games where we got clean sheets, but three clean sheets in a row, Ollie, um, from having had basically none all season. Um, and this is the second time it's happened under under Steve Cottrell. Um, also happened in December 2020 when we got clean sheets against Hull, Lincoln, and Doncaster during that good run. Then um, never happened under Sam Ricketts, and it never happened under Jan Askey. Um, it did happen twice under Paul Hurst. So yeah, it, it does. You know, the clean sheets, the defensive record, that turnaround, Ollie. Um, well, we're looking at three clean sheets in a row is is pretty massive, and you have to go back a very long time to find four clean sheets in a row and I wouldn't put it behind us you know getting one at crew the way we're playing yeah crew crew well crew true crew are scoring goals um but yeah they're, they're really struggling aren't they and our record against um Sheffield Wednesday is is it's not too bad is it we've 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 won more than we've lost and we've drawn 13 um out of 23 yeah. games or something like that uh, which is a good record so yeah, so the last time four clean sheets was 2015, but that was in League Two, and we have never done it um, in League One. So yeah, there you go. If we could get a clean sheet against Crew, that would be another feather in uh, Steve Cottrell's cap. Um, everyone was asking me, is this the best festive period we've had for a long time? Um, seven points out of nine. Looking at that period where you have games between the 26th, so the Boxing Day game on December, and then the game on the first, or as it was um, for us, the third of third of January this year. But yeah, seven points out of nine for our festive period, like we talked about. Um, you don't have to go too far back for that, Ollie. Um, we did do the same in the Hurst season, which you probably wouldn't be surprised to learn. Um, but before that, there were hardly any um, really good festive periods. And we have had a really uh, bad set of festive periods in, in League One other than the Hurst season. So, yeah, um, another credit to the club for the way they've handled this this festive period, I suppose. Um, not really much too much more to say on that. Um, yeah, would you have expected, Ollie, at the start of this season to have took four points off just soon relegated Sheffield Wednesday? No, <laughs> no, not after their fairly good start. Um, when I did, I think I said in the podcast before, I read a crazy article about them, how crazy they are um, kind of on a governance level, kind of the board mm. and all the crazy stuff that goes on. So I wondered how they'd get on. Obviously, then you saw their recruitment and the players they managed to keep. Um, they have got a very good squad, which um, they're spending a lot of money on. Um, but no, four points against Sheffield Wednesday, a releg- any any relegated side um, is, is a good result. You know, if we got that against Robin yeah. or Wickham, you'd be chuffed. chuffed. Um, yeah. So uh, it's very positive. And, and these results, we, we're getting up to seven games now where we haven't, we're undefeated mm. um, and we're doing really, really well. It's 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 great. We've picked up some some good results um, over over the last seven, seven games at home. Sorry, seven games at home, we're doing really yes. well. So yeah. we yeah, beat MK Dons, beat Cambridge, draw with Sunderland beat Charlton, beat Cheltenham, draw with Ackington and beat Sheffield Wednesday. So our home Hanover. form is fantastic. Yeah, we're like top four or five in home form now, aren't we? Or something ridiculous yeah. like that in, in the whole league. So definitely, you know, made the Meadow a bit of a fortress to come to nowadays. And uh, we'll come to this later on, but, you know, Town have started playing much better. But I also think there's a lot to be said for the way that the crowd are reacting that's making it difficult for teams to come to play us as well. So, yeah, we'll touch on that as we go through the game. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure Sheffield Wednesday will be glad to see the back of us this season and, and in general, considering that um, longer term run. Um, Steve Cottrell, absolutely loves December at Shrewsbury Town Ollie um, across the two seasons we played 12 games in December won six drawn four and only lost two and considering his record you know for the rest of the months is a bit more patchy it's mad all of all of these good runs both seasons have come in December is there anything in that Ollie or do you just think you know big fan of Christmas he gets the best out of his players then or is it just statistical quirk I think it's probably a bit of a quirk um, <laughs> but maybe there's something about our fitness and, and the way that we're set up that means that we can do well through this Christmas period which is which is crazy, and to get clean sheets at this time of the year, I think for me is a huge testament to the 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 application and the hard work from the players. Because often at this time of year, you see some crazy results, don't you? Where mm. teams kind of fold and or they just can't, you know, their legs have gone a little bit, and there's that, they don't, they're not that sharp in the tackle, etc. A bit like maybe we saw against Accrington, but we still had a clean sheet there, and we had another clean sheet um, yesterday, which is fantastic. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a pattern. These exceptional runs have both come in December. Both of them have had three clean sheets. Both of them have had a series of three wins. And, um, uh, you know, we haven't had three wins yet this season, but, you know, three wins in that first one and and, and three wins and a draw in between the, the, the wins, I suppose, this season. So, yeah, there's something about the fact that maybe it takes Cottrell to get exactly what he wants and, and egg drilled into everybody it takes until December time. And, and hopefully, unlike last season, they can maintain it rather than letting it drift away because that was the problem, wasn't it? So we'll have to see how that goes. So yeah, December is a good month for us. Um, last bit on attendance is Ollie before we move on to the game. Um, that was I, I looked through it and that was um, top three or four. I just need to double check a couple of the numbers. But in terms of league attendances at home, um, it was either the third or fourth highest attendance. Um, yeah, it was a it was an, an eight thousand two hundred plus one, which is which is great. So for us in League One, that's a pretty huge attendance. There's only I think off the top of my head the three that are above it are Walsall at the end of the the eighteen nineteen season where we relegated them, the first game against Sunderland, and um, the game against Wolves in League One in our in our first season back. So again, yeah, Sheffield Wednesday always travelling numbers, and I'm sure a few of them might have got in the home end. But I think you know it shows us a little bit that the good formers kind of brought the crowds back a little bit as well. Big game, um, Boxing Day uh, on a sorry on a bank holiday rather than Boxing Day. I think it's a a really good thing for the club to have had a nice big attendance to swell the coffers um so yeah just nice to see the crowds up again isn't it yeah it's good to see the crowds are up hopefully continue for a bit longer as well hopefully we yeah. can keep this good home form going and yeah keep getting those fans that have been kind of wavering or a bit unsure uh about to, to tend to carry on yeah and, and obviously you know we normally do crap in front of the big crowds at the meadow don't we sometimes that's the the kind of stigma we've attached ourselves to so there's no harm in getting a bloody good win like uh, we're going to run run onto now in front of uh, uh you know six seven thousand town fans so great stuff all in all ollie so yeah who was the team that played and got us this huge result um as usual nothing much to say on team selection at the moment yeah the same team again <laughs> um pennington ebanks nurse bennett davis leahy are better and one difference I did note that I'm sure you know as well, Glenn, that Vela played more of a number ten, particularly in kind of the first three quarters of the game. Yeah. Um, with with Ado and Bowman, um, so there was no surprise um, that we um, started with the same eleven. Um, unfortunately, the new lab we signed couldn't be registered because uh, the EFL are on holidays, um, so that was a bit of a shame. <laughs> um, but yeah, first eleven, um, same again. Seems a bit daft that, doesn't it? That this, the, you know, the bank holiday shutdown applies to football when football doesn't really shut down over the holiday period, does it? But I suppose everyone needs a holiday, so we shouldn't be too harsh. But um, yeah, if, if we'll come to obviously a doze injury and what that's going to mean about the new lad coming in, because he might have more opportunities he m- might have expected early doors. Um, but we will talk about him in South News. So. Yeah, Ollie, I got there. Rain just kind of had gone through Shrewsbury. I don't know if oh, you drove man, up through the, it. Yeah, the rain, when I was through much Wenlock, I was really dreading getting absolutely drenched. But by the time, yeah, I drove through it, um, it was absolutely torrential. And luckily, yeah, I got Shrewsbury to stop raining, which was good. Yeah, and it was nice and warm. It was quite quite weirdly hot as well um, for, for for January the first game. Um, so yeah, nice nice kind of uh, bit of football to come up. And yeah, how did how did you think town started, Ollie? It was a bit of a bit of to and fro, wasn't it? I'd say maybe maybe even Sheffield Wednesday edged it a little bit with possession. Yeah, um, they were coming down the left quite a bit. Um, Pennington was really being penned back um, by their left wing back, um, and yeah, it was yeah it was not the best start maybe in terms of that Benning got done, um, but he managed to track back and win the ball. Um, and yeah, the player went down under pressure. Um, it was yeah start of a bit of a trend that would come on in the, in the first half. Yeah, it was the guy, I think he's, he's on loan um, at them, the winger who looked really fast. And at the first attack, you watch Bennett and he just kind of got past him really quickly. But Bennett 
you got to give Bennett huge credit across the whole game. He he played that guy superbly. He didn't have all the pace that he probably used to have when he was a uh, you know playing at a high level. But God alive, he's got the experience and 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 the know how to deal with a bit of pace like that. And he just he knew when to put a shoulder barge in. He knew when to commit to the tackle. He knew when to stand up and just let the guy run and catch up with him. And you know, fair play to Bennett. He looked like the one that was going to have the biggest challenge across the game. And actually, towards the end, he'd almost he'd almost you know battered that winger into submission. Ollie, um, such was the the way that he shackled him down. So um, yeah, I have to give Bennett a hell of a lot of credit it really for, for that period but for, for the for the start of the game I thought um yeah it was a bit interesting I thought both teams were really you know kind of tr- trying to play football and well so sorry I'm just going to go back to that player so um his name is I don't know how you pronounce it his name's Theo the- Theodore Corbino Corbin, yeah he's on loan or something like that um yeah. how much do you reckon he's on um Glenn um <laughs> yeah he's, he's not on yeah he's fortunately he's apparently he's on about 600 quid a week I was expecting to find out he's on about I don't know 20,000 or something like that he's a youngster um, signed from Wolves Oh, he signed um, it. Okay, not the government. Yeah, so he's a Wolves player on loan at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, but yeah, I was hoping, I was fearful he was going to be on something crazy like twenty k a year or something. Um, but yeah, he's not on loads. But I just have to say, he was really poor, wasn't he? No, he wasn't great, to be fair. As I say, he started off in that first 10, 10, 15 minutes looking like he was going to beat Bennett every time. And after Bennett had kind of tracked him back and made a tackle and pushed him wide and shoved him off the ball, 10 minutes in, he just went into himself. He almost yeah, felt like he, he didn't want he the battle. He looked older than... I thought he was about 25 or something mm. when he looked at him. He's actually 19. Yeah. So maybe maybe I was being a bit harsh on him in the game because I thought he had a bit of a stinker. Learning experience for him, no doubt. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was it was good to see the way Bennett dealt with him. To be fair, and, and I thought Bennett was excellent in the game in general. So yeah, that was good. But the thing I was just going on to say there before we went back to look at that player was, you know, just felt a little bit like a big game, you know, for town. And obviously we're on this good run, and there was just it was just a little bit of a, a, a temptation to force a pass or, or try and play it a little bit too quick. And they just in that opening spell could have showed a little bit more composure to retain the ball um, and stop giving it straight back to Sheffield Wednesday all the time. But for me, that was the only real complaint. When they attacked us, we were really good defensively. The front two worked really hard. We just Cop in that open, only really in the opening spell we just coughed up possession a little bit too much just trying to be a little bit too eager but you know I suppose there's something to be said for, for seeing that in the team and that they want to get on with it and they want to play football so yeah it's a negative and a positive I suppose Ollie yeah yeah um, but I thought overall though we didn't start too badly though it could have been it could have been a lot worse and as the half went on I thought Town came into it and were more threatening um, it was yeah, it was it was good. Leahy put a dangerous cross into the box, and but it was a bit too high for Bowman, and that kind of started a, a good bit of attacking play. Yeah, and Leahy was great again, wasn't he? With his, with his particularly his marshalling. There was a moment in the second half where he was screaming at the town defenders to get out, which again, not something we've often seen from our midfielders, um, particularly ones trying to show a bit of leadership quality. I'm not sure uh, you saw that from uh, old uh, Norburn too many times, but yeah, good cross that. And um, Bowman was a bit unlucky. I think he just again normally kind of times his runs a bit better, but just they weren't quite on the same wavelength, were they? There was another one where. It was a good cross into the back post that Ogbetta kind of ran onto at the back post, and he sort of headed it at the keeper, which was a bit unfortunate. Um, and yeah, we kept trying to ha- we kept having more chances, didn't we? As the half went on, they were they were definitely giving us chances, which I, I was a bit surprised by, to be honest with you. Well, they did concede five against Sunderland. True, um, and true. Haven't played yeah. for a while, um, but you could see their quality on the ball, um, which obviously was a, a threat. Um, Town had to work really hard. Um, they were good at shifting the ball around occasionally, but their final decision in the final third wasn't so good. Not as good as ours. And, and it's for me, it's a bit of a trend throughout the whole game. We managed to get the ball into more dangerous areas, and when we got into those areas, we looked a little bit more threatening. Um, there was that good cross where uh, that good bit of play where Ado wins the ball, headers to uh, Tavella, who crosses Rob better and headers at the goalkeeper. Um, so that was um, a good opportunity. But then, to be fair, Sheffield Wednesday did have that strike, um, that strike that was palmed by Morosi, which went really high into the sky, and he managed to well. catch it. Yeah, um, so that that was a good strike. A good strike. 
Um, but yeah, there was some interesting bit of play. And, and one thing that was a, a very much a theme as well, as I thought that Sheffield Wednesday players play with this kind of arrogance and the, you could see it when they're taking a throw and the referee made them go back there, a lot of petulance. Um, I thought some of their play acting was quite poor. Um, their whole attitude stinks. Um, and considering that the amount of money that they're on, you'd expect a lot more from them. And it's, I thought it was really interesting. We, we, we won the ball for a corner and where Bowman was pressing um, and um, and someone else, I can't remember who it was, was two players basically from Shrewsdale pressing the defender. The number 18 goes down and like he's been shot by a sniper and we, and we get a corner from him as his kind of poor decision-making. And from that corner, Lee, he swings it in. It takes forever, age to get this corner taken. So yeah, good for the Shrewsdale players to stay composed. Pennington runs in, they can't track him and he headers into the back of the net. Um, and I thought in a couple of minutes that just kind of summed up the game, a bit of poor play from Sheffield Wednesday, a bit of play acting um, and then Shrewsbury being more clinical and professional. Yeah, I think that there was quite a few things about the goal that kind of led up to it, wasn't there? Because Adoe had got his initial knock that he eventually went off for as well, um, just before that corner. So there was a big kind of long delay, wasn't there, which we took advantage of. You know, they seemed to be, you know, obviously unsettled by what was going on. They, they more generally, they weren't up for the battle. And, and obviously, we're a team that have become known for the gritty, hard-to-beat battle kind of DNA that's kind of running through them at the moment. So you would have thought they'd have come and known they were going to be in a battle, and at times they didn't really want it. But yeah... Obviously, when the when the game restarted, we had the corner, didn't we? Which was from you know persistent um, play and and by Vela and Bowman chasing down, wasn't it? And yeah, just a really well executed corner. We haven't seen many of them, have we, Ali? We lament the lack of corners we score. So when we do score from one directly, I have to praise it um, because obviously that tactic worked really well. And Pennington, he's been due another, hasn't he? And um, yeah, well executed header, straight across goal. Keeper was never going to save it. Happy days. We were away, one nil up. Yeah, I think it's a consequence of having both. We've been playing with Leahy and Nurse in defence. It yep. makes it means that we can we can be matched up a ease bit quicker, bit easier by the opposition. So like you know, Pennington can be defended by a tall, one of their tall centre halves, uh-huh. and then obviously Ebanks is obviously a target as well. Um, Bowman's a target as well. But then also, if you know, if you've got Pierre as well, that's an extra target. So I think that has made it a little bit harder for us to kind of win goals from score goals from corners. Um, but yeah, it was a yep. superb header and a really brilliant finish for Pennington for his second goal of the season. Um, which was great, but as you say, Glenn, it was really disappointing though that a doe went off. Yeah, that is obviously the bit of a, the, the the low moment of the match, isn't it? Really, because you know he'd started off him and Bowman had looked good again. They'd been running hard and hadn't quite created too many chances between each other. But you know, obviously, continuing that partnership they had, and um, yeah, obviously. Yeah, it looks muscular, doesn't it? We don't know too much about it from the post-match, which we'll run through later on, but um, not ideal timing, really, when he's just hit this purple patch and suddenly might have to miss a few games. You kind of feel a bit for him, really, because it couldn't be much worse timing if he ends up being out. Even if it's only a couple of weeks, it's still going to unsettle him from, from how high quality he had been playing recently. It is a, it's going to be a loss, a real shame for the player. The way he went down, for me, it felt like he was he was an injury that he was been carrying or he's been carrying a knock Maybe. because the way yeah. he went down um, a few quite a few of us around us we all thought he seemed like he was indicating you know he wasn't too surprised that it happened um, I don't know that was just what I felt on the day it seemed like he was it was an injury that maybe he'd been carrying or a knock that he'd been running with yeah, yeah the way the manager spoke after the game it sounded like it could be a, a bad one 
Yeah, I imagine there's a few that have been playing with injuries recently, considering <laughs> what little niggles, because uh, we haven't really had anything else to do. Um, who who knows? Unfortunately, he, he went down out of contact, didn't he? So um, those don't normally end up being particularly good things. But I suppose everybody should be keeping their fingers crossed. Um, we obviously lost Wally to a long-term injury. God yeah. forbid we've got another one of those, because that would really derail us. However, it is January, um, and no one is irreplaceable, and obviously we've brought a striker in. So I suppose we're in a slightly better position than if we'd have lost... A dough at the start of October. Then well, we may yeah, have been in serious the start trouble. of October or December, yeah, definitely yeah. wouldn't have had this run that we've had. God. So fingers crossed, <laughs> it's it's not too serious, and he'll be back soon. Um, and it, yeah, it caused a load of injury time at the end of the half, didn't it? Which I thought we yeah. rode out quite comfortably. Six, Sheffield... Was it six minutes or five yeah. minutes, something like that? Yeah. I went on a bit longer than that as well, much like the injury time at the end of the game. But we shall come to that as well. Um, but yeah, I, I, it was um, it was what it was, and Town rode it out one nil up at half time. That was good. And then half time, um, I saw that uh, there was someone in safe standing. Um, so obviously, Ballatown might have had their game cancelled, or Welsh footballs on a hold. I don't know what's going on there. But our Dave Edwards was on the terrace um, watching from safe standing. So uh, there we go. Big game always brings out these part time fans, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good to see him at a game. I wonder if he watches them. So he must watch them back because his his um, his his um, articles in Shropshire Star are always yeah. very very to the point, aren't they? I, I, I'm, I, he's a town fan, you know. I'm sure if he's playing yeah. on a, on a match day for Baller, he's obviously watching the game when he gets home. You know, like similar yeah. to us, if we were doing our job and we missed a game, we'd want to watch it back or at least see the highlights yeah. or see what's gone on. And I'm sure he looks at social media and, and gets to talk to some of the players that he knows from last season. You know, that's a that's a leg up that he's got over most of us, isn't it? So yeah, I've no doubt town uh, that Dave Edwards is bang up to date on what exactly is going on in town. And um, yeah, he's not really a part timer. I'm sure he'd be every week if he wasn't playing still professionally, well, semi professionally. So I'm sure he will be one day. Um, so yeah, there we go. Half time. D- delighted though Ollie with the 1-0 um, and you know no reason why we couldn't it did feel a little bit like if we could get a second goal it might might be enough this week um, I still wasn't confident we'd win it on one um, which obviously we ended up doing but um, yeah you just wanted a second didn't you as the second half kicked off yeah it felt like there was going to be a lot of lot of left to play um, and it turned out that way um, yeah the second half went very very slowly particularly from like 60 minutes onwards every time I looked at the <laughs> clock um, it just didn't seem to move at all it was um, it was quite frustrating um, but Trudestown started well, I thought. Um, I thought there was that Bennett effort where he stroked the ball um, from outside the box, and but it was well saved by the keeper. Yeah. Um, then Pike, who come on for a doe, got involved and passed to Bowman, and this was a bad miss. Um, it should have been two nil. Uh, a it bad was that, miss. It was, I think it's in the same category as as Curtis Main. Sadly, the miss. Yeah, it's um. I got reminded of a couple of other bad misses. There was a really, really bad Tom Eves miss, um, at the meadow, and and there was a Grant Holt one as well. I forget the games they're at now, and those two stand out to me as well. But I hate, hate to say it because Bowman really, really worked his ass off across the whole game, especially when a doe went off. He was doing a lot of work on his own because um, we shall talk about young Recule in a minute. Um. Uh, but yeah, shocking miss. To be honest with you, it, it it is harder to miss, isn't it? You know, if he just hits it half-heartedly, it's going to trickle over the line. The keeper was it out does of position. Bounce in front of him, which is obviously the reason why it, it went so high. Um, but it was <sighs> yeah, surprise and gutted. It would have, it would have been yeah, the extra cushion would have been huge um, and and it, for our of our own health. I think. Oh, I thought it had been game over when that went in. So it did, but it was it was one of those ones where I like I stood up to celebrate uh, along with maybe half the stadium, and then as I as as it went over the bar, you just turned to look away in anguish, and all I could see was people with their hands on their heads. It was a proper moment, like everyone was like, "What? He's missed! He's missed it! I can't believe it!" It was like a real kind of um, loud reaction to missing it. He was furious. He missed it. I don't know if you watched him the rest of the game. He was quite grumpy and he looked a little bit angry at the end of the game. He lifted up his shirt and he like bit it, like he looked quite annoyed with himself. 
Um, and I do think yeah. it affected him a little bit as the game went on. He didn't quite play as well as he did up to that point. He his passing was a little bit off. I don't think much service to be fair. No, no. In defence, but yeah, it's he's obviously you know a striker and he, he loves scoring goals. You must and, hate it. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he. I'm sure he didn't <laughs> sleep very well last night. No, but he's already got us a nine this season. He's on the verge of ten, so I'm sure he'll he'll get good numbers this season, and that one won't haunt him down the line. But um, yeah, definitely a big moment in the game, and it felt like a little bit like it was going to turn then because it wasn't a couple of minutes later, wasn't it, where they had a shot which forced Morosi into a good save, and you just I think it was after that. I I feel like after that miss, the momentum changed even more in Sheffield Wednesday's favour. They really just got complete control of the game, didn't they? They only created a few chances, which we'll run through now. But um, yeah, at the time it felt like oh god, this is just going to be a massive siege, um, and I suppose it was that. But um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, was, was, a it was a moment. It was a kind of siege, wasn't it? it yeah. Was, it was siege in terms of possession. Um, but they are... Um, they stink, don't they, as a football team? Yeah. Like, everything they do is... Like, you, they're always arguing with each other. Um, they, they're very ponderous with their play. When they do get into the box, they take their time. Um, and, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a good performance from their point of view at all. Um, it was it was very very poor, um, and as you say, Glenn, they did have some efforts and they had lots of possession, um, but in course of the whole game, we had more shots on target yep. and we had more shots in the box than them as well. Yep. Um, in the second half, um, you know, with all that all that kind of possession, Glenn, they had we had five shots inside the box, um, which is actually their their whole kind of counter for the whole game, um, but they only had 10, 10 shots in the second half. Which, considering how much possession they had, they had like seventy four percent possession in the second half. Yeah, um, it was it was possession in in an area which was comfortable for us in the majority of the time. Obviously, there was periods where they were in the box, but we defended so well. And you've got to defend, not defend. Sorry, you've got to praise um, the defenders, the midfielders who did an absolute superb job putting their bodies on the line, covering those gaps, and they worked really, really well. I mean, we've not named names yet in this podcast. We're talking more general terms. Let's talk about some names, Ollie. Dave Davis, absolutely massive game from him, in my opinion. He was everywhere, like playing like he was when he was 25, when he was first year. Athletic, quick, covering Bennett when he was needed, covering the other side if he had to push over, dovetailing really nicely with Vela. Um, so I thought he was brilliant. Vela, obviously, with him as well. Energy to spare, it was up and down. Played number 10, but also played deep six, also played eight. He was just everywhere in the game. Um, so those two really helped the, the defensive performance out. But all of the defenders, my God, they have to give them a huge amount of credit. The three centre-backs, to me, again, as usual, stood out. Um, but, you know, Ogbetter and Bennett played really well as well. And they tended to be guys, you know, Sheffield Wednesday kind of liked to attack down the flanks quite a lot didn't they and um, Bennett and Ogbetter had to stand up to it as much as they could and Nurse when he went out there I thought the, the back five third cliche sheen in a row um I can't speak highly enough of them at the moment. You know, we love good, gritty, hard-to-beat defenders and, and, you know, people who put their body on the line. Pennington will throw it anywhere. Pierre, when he came on, will put his body in the line. You know, Nurse is not afraid to have a tackle. Lee will mix it up. You know, absolute battlers. All the defensive shift in that second half. I just, I couldn't praise it more. It was brilliant, Ollie. Yeah, it was a really, really fantastic performance. And for me, it was everything that kind of summed up this team. Yes. Um, the application, the organisation, the hard work, the togetherness and the kind of the working for each other. Um, yeah, sticking to a game plan and sticking to the instructions really well, covering each other. Yeah, it had the hallmarks of what we're seeing as a as this um this this team this season. Um, it was a yeah vintage performance of this season. You know, I'll often say oh, I love gritty, hard to beat performances, and I, I sometimes underplay the word you just said there, Ollie, which is a fantastic thing to point out. 
organisation. And, you know, you can credit the players for going on there and carrying out the orders, but the organisation at the moment comes from the manager. That way we get into our low block. Darren Moore called us, you know, he said something really positive about our low block and how hard it was to beat. You know, he's drilled into us how to play a really hard to break down low block. Like, fantastically hard to break down. And, you know, I'll give Steve credit all the, all the praise in the world for turning that round because we were kind of playing similar tactics at the start of the season. Sometimes we try and sit deep and it just wasn't working. There's, there's been that mind shift and, and that sort of change, change in it, really. Um, and, yeah, it's working really well. And the other thing I wanted to point out, um, you know, noticed these last few weeks that I haven't mentioned so far, let's look for new topic points, is communication, Ollie. We, yeah. we pointed out Leahy talks a lot on the pitch, but actually they are all talkers. Like there's a lot, a lot of pointing and talking going on with everyone. You know, you see Dave Davis doing it on Saturday. You see, obviously, we talked about Leahy, but Ebanks will have his say as this captain. You know, you even see sometimes Ogbetter will come and have a chat with someone and stuff like that. And there's there's a lot of talking going on on the pitch, and there's also a lot of messages coming from the side of the pitch to the players. You know, any little drinks break, they're over having a chat. Any any chance for someone to go and speak to Steve and get a little message or get coached from him while they're on that side. That there's a lot of talking going on in that team. Um, which again, I'm not quite sure. I remember that being the case at the start of the season. I think maybe when you got in a good run, you, you know, it's easier to keep that going. But it's something I've noticed over this, this last six to ten games really that we definitely seem to be talking a lot more. Yeah, the players take accountability, don't they, for the performance, the result. Um, they, they they take accountability for their own performances and they also yeah it's not just the manager who has to you know have a word or put pressure on or you know give give, give a player either sometimes you know a bit of criticism or you know discussion about positional play you know kind of like you may might describe it as like the more negative kind of shouty kind of side but also you as we commented in the last podcast as well you know you see positive players giving each other positive encouragement as well um, to keep trying to do to do things as well um yeah it's just a good it's a good bunch and you see this kind of behavior don't we on a, on a weekly basis now yeah you see Odoe and Bowman talking all the time when they get a chance about how to work together Bennett's another talker as well isn't he and Morosi's yeah. dead loud you know giving his instructions from the goal line and you know sometimes you know at the start of the season when you got a bad run that sort of thing has, has not been happening but definitely seeing a lot more of it now um, and that was good really and in terms of, of noise Ollie um, it is definitely worth talking about the crowd um, because I think at the moment, when Shrewsbury Town knuckle down and get in the trenches, knowing that we're, we've got something to protect, a, a win or, or a draw, and we're going to sit in now, we're going to do our low block, and, and that's it. A lot of the times when we've been on bad runs, Town fans have been a bit like, oh, God, this is going to be inevitable, we'll lose this now. It don't, it don't know what's happened this season when we've now gone on this last 10 games, is that when Shrewsbury Town's players get in the trenches the fans join them and a noise goes up another level and it comes from the south stand it comes from block 19 it kind of permeates around the whole old stand obviously with 8,000 fans there it helped a lot on Saturday but it's been happening in Accrington it happened on, on the game before that as well you know they are getting that 12th man voice to take them over the line aren't they and we've talked about this a couple of times recently but again on Saturday I thought you know if you are a player and you want to go back to the wall and try and get something out of a game you want to know the fans are behind you and there's no doubt the Shrewsbury fans can can sorry the Shrewsbury players know that they've got the universal backing to go and get the job done every match at the moment and that is definitely helping I'll say it again for the third week in a row it does help, yeah. It definitely does. I think gives the players a lift. I think also, you know, at this point in the game, sixty minutes, as I said, the clock was ticking very, very slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, um, yeah, the fan fans were back in the players, um, but obviously we were winning as well. So that gave them obviously something to to really, really fight for and to 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 maintain. And and yeah, we kind of yeah we kind of maintained um, you know good organisation and hard work. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of scares here and there. Um, but at the same time, we also had opportunities, didn't we? We had that Bowman attack down the right, mm-hmm. got the ball into the box. Better had his shot blocked, Pike shot got blocked, and the Nurse fired wide. So even though we were defending and they had over 70% possession, we still were a threat. 
yeah, those three chances back to back, wasn't it? All in a real quick yeah. succession. It was like, oh no, oh no, oh, I can't believe we've scored, sort of thing. But yeah, it was a nice little counter again, wasn't it? From the from the massive possession they'd had, so they still were, you know, pushing on more and more towards the end. They had basically everybody on the halfway line, didn't they? And it just felt like one good through ball, and we might have been one on one with the keeper, but it never quite happened. But um, yeah, that was a good little chance there. Um, when they attacked, you know, the defence and and particularly Morosi stood up to what was what was needed. Um, and yeah, just kind of kept going on, didn't it? And, the, and as much as the clock was going slow, there was never too many big moments for them. And you'd look up, and three minutes had gone, four minutes had gone, five minutes had gone, and suddenly you creeping, you were creeping towards the ninety, weren't you? Um, and it felt like you know we're getting there. Um, so that was interesting. One interesting late substitution, Ollie. Um, yeah, Mr. Pike came on um, for a doe and got subbed off towards the end. No obvious injury that I could see. Um, but it was a bit very odd performance from him, wasn't it? Like, you know, let's look at one negative from the game. He obviously set up that Bowman chance, which which was quite good. But the rest of the time, he kind of ambled around. I never felt like he was putting 100% effort in. And I, I can only assume he got subbed off because he... Cottrell can't thought he played very well and they had a really long chat when he got subbed off maybe it was a sorry you know it's tactical sort of thing but I thought he was awful when he came on um and that's not surprising because we've thought that a lot of times this season but it was a, it was an odd performance wasn't it considering we've been seeing Ado's energy and he just languid wasn't he yeah he's he's very he's always playing like he's always like playing he's got his slippers on he's always yeah. very kind of calm sometimes that can be quite good because he can be quite calm when he has the ball when he has a positive moment but yeah he was poor it wasn't really <laughs> the game for him I'm not sure if like Bloxham's on the bench or any other striker they would have come on ahead of him. Yeah. Um. Yeah. We've we talked about the poor the poor bench. Um. Enough. We don't want to bore people too much. But yeah, it was a poor performance. And yeah, and the manager tried to give an excuse, saying you know it's hard for players who aren't playing to come in and get up to speed. Um. He brought Daniels on to kind of play, which made sense. He Daniels came in on didn't he? He's played as like a, I don't know. It was a bit of like an inverted inside winger type position. He was kind of playing as a central, not really as a central midfielder, but kind of just covering um, Bennett really in front of him and around yeah. him. Um, it's a bit of a weird. He was just kind of playing that thing and he came on and got booked straight away. Um, <laughs> the referee actually, just talk about the referee. We didn't talk about the referee very often. You know, People listen to this podcast every week know that we very rarely try to talk about the refs because it's, it's quite boring and it can sound a little bit yeah, blue-tinted glasses or whatever. Mm. But I thought the referee was... Odd. A few times I thought he made some really odd decisions, and he didn't. He didn't. I think he particularly managed the game very well. No. There's a few times where you know, and um, their their left wing back to, to stops us on a counter attack. It's not a yellow card, but we do something similar. It's a yellow card straight away. It's. I just thought the referee was quite inconsistent, which I don't really think helped um, the kind of the flow of the game. So he didn't no. book any of our players time wasting, <laughs> which was a positive. He had a word with Morosi three times, but he yeah. never booked him. I was like, when's he going to... He's gone and definitely booked Morosi. But um, it was a point in the second half when they started time-wasting at 1-0 down. It was a bit weird. Like, they wouldn't take a throw-in. And then I think he had a word with Morosi first on, like, about nine minutes when we took ages over a goal kick. And I thought, we're not, we're not time-wasting on nine minutes here. That's a bit desperate. But, um, yeah, you know, didn't didn't stand out as, as, a, as a particularly good referee. But um, we've seen enough bad ones down the meadow, Ollie, to, to spot them now, haven't we? So, um, there we go. Um, I suppose, yeah, there was one last sub as well that I wanted to talk about, which was when... And it's quite a handy sub for us now, isn't it? Where it's a bit harsh and not better because he had a really good game, but he he kind of gets um, sort of sacrificed to bring you know big Aaron on to play centre back to just stop those late aerial threats. Again, another it's almost a bit like the the sort of John Lewis corner forward kind of tactic we had under Hurst. It's obviously a bit different, but being able to put big Aaron on late on when we're under threat and we're under pressure is massive, isn't it? Really, to be honest with you, in terms of getting that extra height on there. And again, he came on and he just did his job, headed everything away again, didn't he? So yeah, he's he probably wants to start every week, but he's a bloody good sub to have. Yeah, it's it's good to find have some options, uh, which which is encouraging, and uh, yeah. hopefully he'll be back to full fitness soon. And we'll obviously then create some 
uh, how to put it, yes, yeah, some obviously selection headaches for the manager. It's in some ways having not that many players makes it easy to, to pick. And you know, you know, a better and Lee and Leahy and Nurse, um, you know, they're probably ones that are probably at risk in terms of you know having to make way some way. Um, but yeah, it's it's, it's you're gonna you're gonna carry on playing um, those guys while they're doing well. And Pierre, I guess we'll just have to bide his time. And I didn't sense any Ogbetter getting subbed off, kind of clapping all the fans as he went off, um, like Kieran Trippier did for Atletico Madrid in his game this weekend. So um, I'm not sure he's imminently going. Uh, if we were going to sell anyone in this window, it'd probably be him, I suppose, for a bit of money, but hopefully not. Um, so I didn't sense any of that, Ollie. And um, No, yeah, it's good to see Pierre on the bench. So people were saying there's a few rumours. Um, yes, yeah. Yeah, you know, he's, he's on his way, but he did have, he apparently had COVID and he's back on the squad now. Well, Cosgrove was still on the bench, but I suspect that's only because the new lad wasn't registered in time. I think we might not have seen him on the bench if, if uh, yeah, the new new striker was signed in time. Um, but it wasn't to be. Just one last thing on the game for me, Ollie. Um, yeah, there was a late shot. Bowman ad wasn't uh, went out for a corner, but after that, six minutes of injury time. Again, I thought gotta to give Town credit for the way they played out that sec- section, and it was um, sort of typified by really late on. We were down their end, weren't we? We had a late corner. We kind of were trying to kill time, but suddenly Leahy broke, didn't he? And he kind of was was kind of looking to go to the corner, and suddenly he's, he was going in there put a ball across the box that kind of got recycled came back to him and it went right really high up in the air as it came back to him and he just picked it out of the air like a cherry right onto his foot killed it stone dead and just went to the corner and, and it was a real good bit of class play that in that last kind of minute minute and a half you really need to see and he got us down in the corner eventually they was they got a goal kick out of it and once the goal kick was done it got the, the whistle got blown to massive applause which was fantastic so yeah again just played out that section really well yeah it was good into the game um really really pleased with Performance overall um, had had everything. Obviously, the, the goal um, and yeah, the clean sheet was fantastic. And yeah, just it was real chalk and cheese between the difference between Shrewsbury Town and, and the Wednesday players. Yeah, massive celebrations in the stadium as well, which was absolutely brilliant to see. Um, I got some videos of that. If anyone wants to to look on the Blue Number Twitter account and, and look at those from the day, it was just a real massive cheer, really, and well, not cheer. It's just ongoing chanting and cheering for absolutely ages as the players came round. And it was funny as I was leaving the ground. Obviously, people started tweeting about things. I was walking the kids back, so I didn't didn't look too much until I got back. Um, but there was a few interesting tweets and kind of messages post match, really, Ollie, I suppose. And Scarecrow came on the podcast a couple of weeks ago um, whilst you were off, Ollie, and I. Saw saw something he put and he said felt like there was a sense of something building and he said it's the first time since Hurst has been at the club um that I felt a spark of something and and I'm starting to just feel that a little bit from fans at the moment um that there's 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 a potential for them to get on board with what could potentially be quite exciting obviously three wins gets everyone a bit giddy doesn't it um three wins in four but um yeah I don't know what, what do you feel are you, you kind of feeling a spark yet Ollie or are you are you still kind of waiting to see over the next couple of months no, there's definitely a spark, isn't there? There's definitely a togetherness. Um, there's definitely connection between the fans and the players. Um, and yeah, obviously the results will will do that. Um, yeah, it is very very positive. Um, it's it's very encouraging at the moment, and hopefully um, we will um, progress um, with a couple of signings in January and and build a bit of momentum um, to finish the rest of the season on a high. Um, because yeah, you just go to a game; it's a completely different atmosphere. Look like it was. Remember, um, remember we went ten percent of the season, Glenn, before Tom Blocks and scored that goal. Crazy. Um, Crazy. It was really toxic. Um, it was quite. You you kind of questioning why you were going to games. Obviously, attendance has dropped. Um, but now that kind of feel good factors back. Um, you go to a game thinking, you know, not dreading, not dreading it, and wondering what you do when you go there. You, you expect to see something good, and you, and most of the time the players deliver at home. 
Yeah, it's interesting because I've seen a, a couple of people kind of saying, well, how can you be so, so positive about the way it is now when you were so negative about the football at the start of the season? And, and yeah, bloody a season's a journey. Do you know what I mean? It's it's yeah. obviously never going to be crap the whole way through. You know, sometimes it is and it's an objectively bit abysmal season. And there were times during that opening quarter of the season where I thought we might be on for that because you can't say we were playing well at the start of the season. The, the football was so much worse than what we've got now. But, you know, we've now spent the next quarter of the season writing that wrong and putting us maybe above where we might have expected to be you know we were hoping we would just hold on to the pack and actually we're seven points ahead of the relegation zone so we're miles ahead of where we would have probably anticipated as a best guess Ollie but the point is that that's what football's all about isn't it you've got to you, you, you know you can get down with the lows and you know we will talk every week about how poor that was and try and understand why and what was going wrong a lot of which we said on those podcasts Ollie has ended up being the truth of the matter I suppose in terms of, of the squad building and those sort of things but when it gets like this mate I want to just get on board you know I, I will I've loved that in the new meadow season you know the, the poor her season and the Graham to in a promotion season and some of those ones that were near misses I've loved it I've been some of my favourite football experiences in those periods and I would love us to go on another 10 game run now winning 6 of them it would just be amazing who knows where we'd go there so I'm, I'm fully on board for it to happen Ollie and that's the nature of football just because you've been negative or said something negative at one point doesn't mean you can be positive when it's good so uh, I, I don't get really get that point of view Ollie so, yeah well I yeah, think I'm, just I'm to right on, on that it's, 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 I guess it's a, it's a trap that we can fall into as a podcast we talk about every game in detail um, for you know, yep. it's half an hour a game and when we're talking about two defeats no goals missing chances crap football and also in the context that we've got a, the yellow kit and we haven't signed any players we are going to be negative but when we have clean sheets to win games players put in brilliant performances get great results and go on a run when we're talking exactly. about the positives so yeah it's just yeah, we, we can't pretend that we weren't massively pissed off with Steve Cottrell, no. both of us, and a lot of fans from, from you know, reactions at the ground, talking to people at the ground, you know, the boos and, and the social media reaction. A lot of fans were completely chipped off with him. But even then, we would always turn around at the end of those negative conversations and say, what does he need to turn it around? Well, what he's needed is the last 10 to 15 games, and that's exactly what he delivered. So at the end of the day, for all the pressure he was under from, from us or from any other fan, he stood up to be counted, he's, he's got them playing better, he's got, he's got the best out of a, a squad that was unbalanced, and is in a situation where he can address those issues and that's what you know football managers are paid for so in terms of where we are you know halfway now it's, it's exactly where where he would have wanted to be and, and i'm quite happy with it so yeah um, yeah who sees where we go next really ollie i suppose um the only other thing just to mention pre-match um other than the fact we're 14th which is a bit weird um uh is um yes we don't normally talk about politics ollie because you know it's, it's probably a, a point that leads to more people arguing about things than than football We'd even, lose but, the um, listeners i think if we talk too much about <laughs> politics i know fuck all about politics ollie so that's probably the easiest thing to say um but I do know that we've got an MP in Shrewsbury who, at the start of the COVID, decided to sign, sign his name to a letter that would have essentially done exactly the opposite of what our football club wanted and would have cost us probably hundreds of thousands of pounds. Um, and obviously Shrewsbury Town responded with a very scathing statement, and we'd mentioned it on the podcast at the time, saying, yeah, mate, what are you talking about? You didn't ask us. You didn't consult us on any of this. You just signed the letter on our behalf. We're furious about it. Um, and obviously, yeah, Kaczynski, Daniel Kaczynski's name was pretty much mud at the football club. Anyway, last night after we won, he decided... Um, um, during the middle of what is a politically difficult week for him, I'm led to believe, from some some sort of expenses thing, to tweet uh, a really poorly worded uh, tweet about Shrewsbury Town and congratulating us on our advance, um, which was honestly met with some of the brilliantest Twitter responses I've ever seen um, <laughs> to any kind of Shrewsbury Town related content, where basically every Shrewsbury Town fan tore him a, a new asshole and said, mate, you're not welcome around this football club and it'd be great if you never tweeted about our football club again. And it was just, it was a, a hilarious uh, couple of hours watching that unfold. If there's a if there's some kids out there on Twitter, and they probably learn every swear word under the sun by looking at the um, and I did love it. It was like had like a hundred 
um, quote retweets, obviously with some words added, and about four <laughs> likes, um, which was absolutely brilliant. And yeah, advance. Um, so yeah, maybe that's, I don't know. I have no idea. What, he obviously clearly thought it was in a cup tie and it linked to the <laughs> FA Cup and he was trying to get some publicity. But like most things he does to do with football, um, yeah, any politicians who try to um, talk about football and they're not football Handling. fans, it always ends up back yeah. on their face. And this is just another another example. But it did give us something else to, to be humour um, on, on a very yeah positive kind of evening. I think Jane Bebb nailed it. Obviously, Jane Bebb, the club secretary, where she said, I think he was just after some tickets to Liverpool game. So that's probably... It's funny. Probably... Someone has sent me some... Um, I've had some direct messages on Twitter asking me for tickets. Um, yeah, I have as well, actually. Yeah, yeah I've, probably the same people, but yeah. Said they'll be it's, on general um, sale soon, so... Yeah, it should be chat, fine. Chat around. Yeah, it should be fine. And so that was funny. So obviously, we've talked about quite a few things. The other thing you've put here as well, Glenn, you've put 14th, which you have mentioned yes. quickly, but I thought it was just worth just mentioning again. You know, we went into the se- this kind of this path of the season really concerned, genuinely concerned about the players' welfare and all that kind of stuff and how number of players you have. We've ended it 14th, um, in a really, really strong position on a bit of a crest of a wave, um, which is fantastic. So real p- credit to the manager, to the staff, um, for yeah, for kind of pulling, pulling that, pulling this result off. Um, it's been absolutely fantastic. Brill. And I suppose the last observation we've talked a bit about Sheffield Wednesday and how bad they are and how much their wage budget is. You mentioned that, and some of the players who were poor. But the one thing we haven't mentioned, Ollie, which you observed, and I think most town fans observed, is how is it possible for someone to sell the away end and make less noise than 180 Accrington fans? It was. Bonkers. I think it's I've, yeah. We don't you know. It's it's always funny when you when you have like opposition fans. The one thing that always comes up is like you've only got like two thousand fans or you've only taken a hundred away fans or whatever. Let's make it clear. Numbers are irrelevant. If you want to get into a numbers game, then you just say okay, I'll support Real Madrid and I've got more fans than you now. Anyone <laughs> that talks about numbers is either twelve or younger and or an idiot. Um, yeah, but but in terms of support, I understand why their fans are really frustrated. You know, we've had games where it's been really quiet at home, um, but I think it's fair to say that is the worst performance we've seen from an away fans to fill that an end. To yeah. make that little noise, um, they literally did probably maybe one or two chants in the second half, and the only two of the time they made a noise when they did an ironic cheer of our attendance. Yeah, um, and then at the end when they booed their players um, from the halfway line because their players didn't dare go near the away end. Um, but yeah, it's <laughs> obviously great they travel in numbers, you know, blah blah blah, whatever. Um, but that that was a really really poor, um, really poor um, kind of. Yeah. They didn't really back their players. Now obviously you'd kind of say yeah the players need to kind of kind of earn the respect and earn the kind of support. But as we've seen in recent weeks and as we know very well. You know, you you do back the players and you kind of give them support. Sometimes something can happen, yeah. Um, but but it's not really for us to comment on Sheffield Wednesday fans and how they how they behave. That's obviously up to them. But they were very very quiet. I I'd say probably the enough. quietest fans of home and away I've seen all season. Like considering there's twenty thousand of them at um, Hillsborough, um, you wouldn't have known it. Odd, isn't it? I suppose, yeah. Maybe they're adjusting to League One. I mean, if you think about how noisy Sunderland were in the two games we played against them the first two times, or even Wolves when we played them that one season in. But that end can be so intimidating, can't it? It can be noisy, yeah. It can be really noisy because you've got all your fans in one space, you've got 1,600 of you, and sometimes it's been really frustrating because they can literally dominate the whole. Because obviously, we've got our fans split into two with the Block 19 and the South Stand. Mm. So sometimes that away end can really dominate the whole the whole stadium. Fortunately for us, um, they didn't get anywhere near that. 
No, Block 19 dominated them, I thought. They were really noisy on Saturday, Block 19. I give them some credit. And the South Stand kept everything going down that way as well. So, as I mentioned, the atmosphere was, was good because of that dual approach thing we've got. But, yeah, just very strange. And, um, yeah, I just felt like, you know, you see your fan base and that, that noise they're making and booing them off the end. It felt like a quite depressed place. I mean, they're not out of it. They could still go up this season. But I think the fact they're struggling in League One is now starting to hit home in this sort of winter period for them. And they could easily get out of it. But, um, yeah, but especially especially considering their budget, Ollie, which, you know, is one thing probably just worth touching on because we don't have the most money in the world we do have all the grit and determination you could ever want but um we certainly don't have a 10 million pound wage budget like them do we no it is crazy the amount of money they're spending <laughs> um yeah it's probably up there with the highest wage bill uh, maybe second wage bill in the division spending 10 million pound on wages uh, which is more than the income of our club we're probably spending about two and a half million on wages um unbelievably we're below the cap uh, which you said we heard from the sports part and and, you know, you, you, they've obviously got some talented players uh, about naming names. People know who their players are. They've got a very good squad, but they're very petulant. They're arrogant. Um, they don't really try very hard. Um, they argue a lot with their with each other. Um, it's clearly not a happy camp. Um, and it's a camp that is um, particularly underperforming. And the Karen like that, they're going to be in League One for a long time because I'm sure their fans expected... Um, you know, it was going to be, they're going to you know, fight for promotion and get up. I'm sure a lot of their sensible fans realised it was going to be a challenge um, because, this, as we said many a time now, there's so many, I'll call them incommod failed teams in this division, you know, yeah. who gambled and getting into the into the, champ, into the Premier League and they and they haven't done it and they ended up getting relegated. So, yeah, it just shows you, doesn't it? You can have all the money in the world, but it doesn't, doesn't guarantee you success. It doesn't. And to me, any team in League One turning up with two coaches and three physios is probably spending a little bit too much money uh, considering what level they're at. So I did notice that on Saturday when their player went down. They had three physios over there straight away. I was like, Jesus Christ, we only have only have, only have ever had one. Do you know what I mean? It's It seems a bit weird to be paying three physios, but I'm sure they think they're going back up and it'll all be fine and the championship money will, will kind of come back and it'll all be fine. But yeah, another club that you would wonder two, two three years down here where they'd be and... Um, you know, once parachutes and stuff dry up, whether they'd be able to kind of survive it. But um, yeah, who knows? Long way to go yet, Ollie. Um, well, they haven't had parachutes for a long time, but um, no, but, but you yeah, get some from the championship. Yeah, you do get a bit of extra yeah. money. Yeah, but yeah. Um, but yeah, it's going to be um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one to see. And yeah, this is, and I think for, it's going to be years. I think for this, does this league is going to have teams like this because we're probably going to maybe have Reading and maybe Derby coming down as Birmingham. well. Birmingham. Um, yeah, Barnsley are probably going to come down as well. So. There's been a lot of teams in this division for quite a while who are wanting, who expect to get out. But anyway, um, back to Shrewsbury. And um, what was your top three, Glenn? Really hard to pick this week, and and I have to say I haven't picked Pennington, Leahy, or Bennett in my top three, which is absolutely staggering considering they were all unbelievably good in this game. But for me, I think that um, Dave Davis had his best game for the football club in both spells on Saturday. I thought he was um, imperious. I mentioned it as we reviewed it, but just um, you can't say too much more than I thought he was the best player on the pitch. Um, at one point, he was doing little tricks and rabonas to hold onto the ball, and it was like, where <laughs> we've never seen him do that before. Just had a little spell of about forty seconds, just dribbling round players and holding it. I thought fair play. He's obviously playing. With the uttermost confidence at the moment, um, I went for Morosi second because um, at key points he made some good saves, um, long range, a couple of snaffles down low, um, and he's kept playing through three clean sheets in a row. You can't really, you know, do any more as a goalkeeper. And at points, I think we talked about earlier this season as, as some people saying he was the problem. I, I always said he never was, and um, we're seeing the best out of him now. And Vela for me, the the. The, the heartbeat of the football team um, at the moment and a player we simply can't lose in January. He was absolutely brilliant. 
Yeah, pretty brilliant performance. We Nurse as well had a really good game. Amazing. Um, yeah, um, Ebanks and yeah, there was lots of players that everyone played well, really, didn't they? You know, yep. Doe did well until he went Pop off. Pike. Um, yeah, <laughs> bless his cotton socks. Um, <laughs> see, I went for Davis, Leahy, and Vela. Yeah, that's fair. It's fair, Ollie. I think Leahy's really harsh to mesh out on my top three, but um, he's had enough man of the matches recently off me, so he'll probably be okay with that. Um, and yeah, there we go. I suppose r- r- wrapping up with Steve Cottrell, really. Um, the only thing I saw from it, and you can run through the rest of these, was um, he said that the players had heart, character, and courage. And to me, I've often gone on these rants, don't I, about what a Shrewsbury Town team is. That's a really good description of what I want to see from my Shrewsbury Town team. I'm not going to expect the best football all the time, but if I see heart, character, and courage, I'm well happy. I can sign up to that any day of the week. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. That's what any any successful team needs that as well. But a team that's going to battle is going to make you make you want to want to support them. Damn right. Um, and yeah, so yeah, he's obviously he was very complimentary about the team, saying it's a really tough week. It was a third game in a week, which is something we haven't mentioned, but you know it was good. He's, you know, we said we've got an incredible team and some good footballers. Um, yeah, and they said the players have been a lot over Christmas, so he's going to give them a few days off now. And he mentioned good. as well, like us, Glenn, that the, the last 25 minutes or so, the clock was going down very, very <laughs> slowly. Um, on a dough, there was nothing. He, he didn't comment on anything. It was a bit too early um, to kind of say, but we'll have to see how a dough gets on when he gets a... Hopefully it's not a scan, but fingers crossed he'll be okay. Um, but yeah, managers in good spirits. Yeah, it'd be gutting for him if he misses the Liverpool game, wouldn't it? Because I don't think, he, from memory, I might be wrong on this. I don't. I think he came on as a sub. I don't think he started last year because um, obviously Cummings started with. He was probably just the one up front, wasn't he? I have to double check that. I might be wrong, but I feel like he didn't play a massive part at, at, at Liverpool last time. So to miss it twice um, would be a bit of a gutter, wouldn't it? But. Um, yeah, there we go. I suppose that's it. Yeah, and and you know, obviously quite cheery because we've won. So um, yeah, we'll have a look look at some of the first signings we brought in now, um, and what's going on with with a couple of other players, and then uh, yeah, we'll look ahead to the Liverpool game. Smashed away downfield, and the uh, flick on falls to Cummings. He's got away from Lovren, and he scored. The substitute's done it again. Jason Cummings has two, and Shrewsbury a level. So January transfer window is open and we sign a player already, which is fantastic. A good start. <laughs> As we normally do, we obviously had football friends um, on Twitter. Um, so I did um, get some feedback um, from a, a Bristol City podcast, um, one stream in, in Bristol. Um, and he, he's been watching, um, yeah, he's been watching Jana as he plays in youth football as well. So that's good to get that someone who's been seeing him play. And he said, you know, he's, he's a, a really great kid. He's got a great character and it's hard not to love him. Which sounds like he's going to fit in as a, you know, as a similar striker. Um, has got that kind of love for the for our, from our fans. He said, um, he said, you know, he's done really well. He's he's he played, I think he played six games, scored two goals for them. He says he's very pacey. Um, he wins all the bleep tests and the kind of preseason stamina runs, and he work really really hard. And um, what kind of player is him? He's a player that running behind. And he's a finisher. So that's something we don't have at the moment, isn't it? Um, mm. You know, Bowman, yeah. Bowman's a bit of an all rounder, a bit of a target man. A Doe plays a bit of a target man role. And have someone different would be great. Then also spoke to Martin Phillips, um, who does um, the um, Newport County analytics. Really, really good chat. Really good account to follow. And he said that um, he said I liked him. He didn't get as much as a chance that he deserved. Um, he was really good on the ball. A bit of flair, some decent direct running. He said he was a little bit lightweight at the time. I mean, he suffered an injury, but he said he could be good if he's afforded the time. Um, so that's encouraging, you know, two reports there from players, people that have seen him play. Sounds like he's going to be a bit of a runner. Um, and the manager talked about him having pace as well, which is, I think, something that our front line is missing. So I can imagine he could play either as a striker 
or potentially as one of the three um, next to a striker as well. So we'll add some flexibility into the team and maybe even play as a bit of a like an inside forward as well if we play a 3-4-3 three, three or something like that. Oh, sorry, a 4-3-3. Three, three. Yeah, good research, Ollie. Um, yeah, we both did different research for, for looking at him and um, yeah, encouraging signing on first. My, my research, obviously, as usual, amounted to looking at videos about him on YouTube and uh, <laughs> his stats on soccer base. So he had a really good spell, didn't he, with Torquay um, a few years back where yeah. he scored a, a fair lot of goals. And, and I went back and looked at the video someone had put together of all the goals in that time. So very different kind of goals. Some long ranges, some some tap-ins, some real bits of skill, a couple of really nice, powerful volleys um, on, the, on, on the edge of the area or the edge of the six-yard box, which looked really good. So... <clears throat> Clearly got a bit of um, finishing ability in his locker, which good, looked good. And then there was a weirdly a, a video he only did a month ago um, with a channel. I think it was like a YouTube channel with only a thousand subscribers. Quite a small thing. Um, and it was I think he was on a show called Hood Ballers. Um, and yeah, I watched that to kind of understand his kind of background really and where he comes from. And yeah, he, he, my, my takeaway from it was he was a hugely determined character because he took some knocks early on in terms of having trials at different clubs and not quite making it. And obviously then went on to play non-league football. I think he played for Bath City for a long time and, and basically, you know, tried to build his career back up from taking those knocks during the academy process and has now, you know, worked his way up to a point where he even played for a year for Bristol City because he didn't have international clearance from, from Gambia. Um, basically, he worked and trained in there under whatever it was, 18s at the time, I think it was, for free. So just determined to make it as a footballer to kind of put yourself out there and run the risk of a, of a year's worth of, of no income, really. So, yeah, very determined character, I thought, from looking at that and um, yeah exactly what we kind of needed really because I think when we look at it, there's no doubt Cosgrove's going to go back, Ollie. So, um, you know, we're going to lose one striker. We brought one in. Maybe if Ado's injured, we might even need another one. So, um, yeah, starts us off with, with something we needed and something we mentioned last week. He sounds like he's going to fit in, doesn't he, with the players? Um, Hopefully, you know, yeah. You're going to need to have, as you mentioned, you know, you need to have that those characteristics to play well in this side and to kind of fit in with the bunch. So it sounds like it's um, hopefully a good signing. And yeah, January transfer window last season wasn't too bad, apart from maybe Maine, who did a job but didn't really kind of set the world on fire. Hopefully you can have another good January window. I, I never checked whether he was at Bristol during the Cottrell era. Um, I suspect they might have overlapped. And I don't think that... so. He's only, he's only a kid, isn't he? Yeah, he'd been, but he'd been in and around their youth team for quite a yeah. long time. So, yeah, who knows? I don't really know. And he'd been in youth football, I think, as well. So I'm, I'm, I've no doubt Cottrell's known about him for a long time, though. Yeah, he's obviously got that connection with the club, hasn't he? Um, yeah. And it's it's yeah, it's good to have connections with with championship clubs and get their players on loan. Um, so yeah, be interesting to see what, what what else we can pull out of the hat. Well, unless they're Birmingham City and they're lending us Cosgrove. <laughs> there we go. Um, and then yeah, talking about loan players, interestingly, Lesh Bella not in the squad on Saturday. Only no. considering we didn't have a full bench again and it was full of youth lads. Do you think he's done? Yeah, I'd imagine Lesh Bella's gone back. It probably hasn't really worked out as Leicester as hope. He hasn't got as many minutes. Um, and you'd imagine Cosgrove is going to go back as well. It might yeah. just be that his his loan actually expired on the thirty first or something like that, and maybe mm. he, he wasn't eligible to play. Um, but but I wouldn't be surprised if both loans go back. Um, obviously, it's it's rare for us, isn't it, to only have we only had we technically only had one loan player available um, for this game um, available yeah. by yeah. all looks of things, which is obviously a low number. So it'd be interesting to see if we get a few more in. Yeah, we've had a bad year for loanees so far. When you look back at you know the the, the loanees of the last few years that have kind of saved us at times, you know Greg Doherty probably helped keep us up the one season, didn't he? And obviously other other people like Max Max Chapman Lowe on loan. Did really well yeah. this time. This season year. we've had nothing, so we're due a good loan player in this in this second period. So it might be Janai, it might be some. How do you say it? Is it Janai? Janai? 
I think so. I think okay, so. I did good. hear Stu Dunn say it, um, <laughs> but I was driving, so I wasn't paying 100% attention. I was looking at the road. Jeremiah. But um, yeah, I'll go with that. Um, yeah, it's interesting to be interesting to see how he, how he does, and fingers crossed he'll be a good signing. Talking of loan signings, actually, um, Bemba Fossey, he's just signed for Bolton on loan. So interesting to see. We maybe see him again yeah, in the next few weeks as we're playing Bolton soon. Mm. And then, I suppose the last thing to talk about, really, Ollie, is we're in a bit of a, a, bit, a bit of a weird week now because we're on this good run in the league. And then I sort of woke up this morning, you know, coming down from the high of yesterday and all the excitement, and remembering that, oh yeah, the next game we're playing is at Anfield. <laughs> Which yeah. is a bit odd, <laughs> but um, yeah. So yeah, next game, Anfield awaits Liverpool. Another Sunday FC. game again, as we mentioned. Mm, yeah. So we've got that, a nice but... gap again to prepare. Yeah, which is good. We need the week off to recover. Um. And yeah, I suppose let's just look at our opposition. They're obviously having, uh, as, as last time they played us, a bit of a crisis. Ollie, um, it's funny. I was sitting next to Andrew Groves, uh, one of my mates, yesterday, and he was he was talking me through his theory that Shrewsbury Town have cost Liverpool um, at least three Premiership titles now. I thought well, maybe it was two. I can't quite remember what he said now because of the fact that wheels have come off and they've got distracted and agitated by having to play a lowly team like us. Um, so it looks like you know, on the basis of their recent form and Man City storming ahead, we've we've helped them lose another league title. So happy days. I can't, can't, can't cry for Klopp, to be honest with you, with his recent stuff. Um, but, yeah, it looks to be like a bit of a weird team they're going to play against us. No one really knows to whether they'll be like, well, we could play a reasonably strong team because we've got you know players missing and, and COVID. Is the game even going to happen? Obviously, they had even more players out with COVID at the weekend. So maybe if they had another two or three drop this week, they'll be asking the FA to call it off, which would be a disaster for us. Um, there's a few kind of unknowns, isn't there, about what exactly we're going to face at Anfield? I would suppose that they're going to, um, yeah, it's like obviously quite a few people um, have got injuries, but there's a good chance that they'll be back. So Alisson, Firmino, Matip and Klopp, um, all their their isolation would end between the 6th and the 8th, um, so they could be back. So it's likely to Klopp, unless he goes on holiday again, um, will be at the game. <laughs> Might need um, to recuperate. So, so, and considering the size of their squad, um, they said they've probably got about 80 players, um, including their, 20, their under-23s and their 19s. You know, I'm sure they'll be able to put a team together that can, they can be competitive. I'm not saying yeah. they should pay 18-year-olds, though um, if we perform that last time, they'll probably be enough um, to beat us. So I'm sure they'll put a, a decent squad out, um, but it should make for a, a good game. Yeah, but they've got a game midweek, unlike us, haven't they? They've yeah. got games against Arsenal either side in in a in a quite a late round of the League Cup, isn't it? Is it the quarterfinals? I'm not sure. Um, might be the semis. Um, so you know they've got that to consider that that's a good chance for them to win a trophy. Yeah, they're Kapanti playing on, on a Thursday, out. which is yeah. good for us, isn't it? They're playing on on a Thursday night in London, um, which is great for us. So I think I can't see many of the players playing on Thursday who will end up playing against us. So it'll give us a good idea of quite yeah. how strong they're going to be. It creates a headache for them, doesn't it? They got the headache yeah. of COVID. Um, obviously got a headache of the the Christmas win the uh, Christmas kind of campaign, which obviously they did have one game um, cancelled. Um, but then yeah, obviously having um, having um, Arsenal on the Thursday in the semi final of the League Cup, which you imagine they want to put a strong side out. Um, so it should be it should be a good game. Um, should be good atmosphere. I'm not going, Glenn. I think it's a, a little bit too much for me to. Yeah, I've spent nearly twenty hours over Christmas away yeah. um, watching the football, um, and I've I decided myself I won't go to this one. So I'll be watching from home. So I'll be able to tweet if you're wrong or give you some advice if it was a, if I was right, Glenn. Um, oh, don't. But I'll, but um, you, I'm sure you're making the trip. Yeah, we've got VAR to deal with again, haven't we? Um, although not all the FA Cup games have, which I still which think is, is a, joke. a bit of a joke. Um, but yeah, I'm sure that we'll somehow get shafted and the big clubs will get all the favourite uh, refereeing decisions and all of the <laughs> all the favourite VAR decisions. Um, and there'll be some stupid VAR decision because there is every weekend in, in the league at the moment, isn't it, in the top flight? But um, yeah, it should be good. I'm going up, obviously, taking the kids. I think we're going to go on the train with a bunch of my mates as well, so make a bit of a day of it. Um, 
And yeah, so I've got it covered, Ollie, don't worry. And I've got crew covered as well. So I'm, I'm going to go up with a lad to that one as well. So a couple of away games coming up now, which will be nice. But yeah, it's just going to be an interesting experience. And it's, you know, talking more generally about it, I sense much more negativity about having to visit Anfield this time than last time. You know, the, the novel novelty of it last time, the, the kind of way we got the draw last time in terms of that amazing result at home and the, and the fight back. This time people are scarred by the experience of going to Anfield last time not just because we were, we were shit but because of the leg room because of the, the visibility issues because of the travel arrangements because of how awkward Liverpool made it picking tickets and parking and all that sort of thing you know the fact we haven't sold out already is testament to the to the way that you know people have, have depressed this time I'm sure all the hardcore will be there I'm sure the, the 400 of us or whatever it was at Fleetwood uh, will all be there as well um, but uh, yeah I'm not surprised we've had a hopefully sh- loads short... will be yeah hopefully loads of Fairweather fans Hopefully it's a sellout because obviously that's good for us. So yes. whoever goes, um, fingers crossed, it's a sellout. We'll get as much money as possible. And yeah, I'm sure the club will give a um, um, vast majority of that to Steve Cottrell to, to spend as he sees pleases, um, hopefully on players. Yeah, well, 80,000, you know, what it's not 80,000, sorry, 60,000, isn't it? I think times 15 quid, roughly, you know, maybe 10 quid as a maximum. That's a fair chunk of money if you're getting 45%, 45% of those gate receipts, you know, looking yeah, at a profits, couple of yeah. hundred grand. That's why we can have this game get called off because who knows what's going to happen after that. So looks like we're not going to get any restrictions. We were briefly mentioning that, you know, COVID restrictions coming back in. It doesn't seem like that's going to happen, but Liverpool could still shaft us by having a COVID outbreak get worse, which would be ironic considering what he said about EFL um, vaccination rates and issues there. So it's become come to bite clock on the arse that has to be honest with you so it'll no, be interesting though and it, any clock, but yeah, um, fingers crossed now, fingers crossed all the German um, managers whinge I've decided they, every German manager just whinges it's they do DNA. seem to whinge the most don't they um, and then he gets Sean Dyche as the extreme opposite of that which <laughs> yeah. I quite I quite enjoyed his, his press conference yeah so, it's quite funny yeah I, th- I think then that's enough we've covered a lot of points there um, thanks guys for listening and girls for listening I hope you enjoyed it um, and yeah, maybe we'll try and get a guest on, Glenn. Um, obviously, I'll be watching the, the Liverpool game, but maybe maybe we can try and get some guests on back again now yeah. we're out of this Christmas period um, so we get some fresh voices on. So it's not just me and you. We'll get some other people on as well to share their opinion. I'm sure there'll be plenty there to pick from. And obviously, we won't be back next Sunday. We'll be back next Monday. Yeah, um, Monday. Yeah. A, probably Monday night. Um, but yes, yeah. we'll definitely s- sort out a guest for next week. That's a good idea, Ollie. And uh, yeah, enjoy your week. And yeah, we oh, shall, God, I shall see you at Anfield. Not that I hate work back. or anything, but... Um, yeah, it's um, there's a huge project. I was going to bring. I forgot to give you a little gift, Glenn. There's a huge, right. huge project I've been working on, which gets launched um, in this week. Um, so oh, I was yeah. going to just give you some biscuits at the game on on, sun, on Sunday, but I completely forgot. Oh. So I'll maybe get them posted over to you. But um, yeah, big big launch coming out this week. It's a big big Mavitis launch, which I've been involved with, which is out this week. So that should be well, good. Oh, keep an eye. There's some behind-the-scenes biscuit uh, information <laughs> biscuit for you about what, what goes on in the biscuit world. But um, yes, as I was saying, yeah, we'll be back next week, um, yep. and hopefully we'll be talking about an historic win at Anfield. Wouldn't that be amazing? I would have loved that. Yeah, fingers crossed. Let's see how we go. <laughs> <laughs> Good, Cheers, guys. guys. All right, catch Thanks you next week. Bye.